today's episode of that song from that movie is coming up after this. In a world of utter randomness, one podcast stood up from the bunch, and it was the amazing world of talking shiz. <laughs> Sorry, I had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, it's just mainly randomness. And focus is definitely not being not focused there. on at all. No. Uh, our podcast is definitely um, no theme at all. It's literally random and talk about literally everything and throwing in random jokes at any given time. Yeah. We're on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Hey. So go ahead, tune in. New episodes weekly. And we're international. International. Very, yes. very well. So tune in. Follow yeah. us on Twitter. See you there. Today we're discussing the song from Breakfast at Tiffany's. No, not that song. The song that's, that song's about the movie. Don't worry, we'll clear it all up on today's episode of that song from that movie. Nice to see you. Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your tasteful portrayal of a Japanese host, Dietrich, and today we're joined by a stranger. Well, he's a stranger who is also a friend in Alex. <laughs> yeah, accurate again. He's nailing it every time. <laughs> I was wondering how early into the podcast it would be that we'd have a Mr. Mayoshi reference, and it was straight away. <laughs> Well, I can't be right, because I said tasteful portrayal. Mm, yeah, true. <laughs> and we're also joined by the man who does not accept drinks from gentlemen who disapprove of him, Ben. No, my dad gives me drinks quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you, Papa. It was really difficult not to say um, to see you nice after D's intro. It was yeah. I was literally. I was. That was <laughs> exactly the same as what I was thinking. I really had to stop myself. Bit of Brucey bonus. I'll try a different Bruce Forsyth intro because I'm running out of these intros. You have to jump in. <laughs> did you do a little jig as you uh, as you as you announced it? Or did you do the fist on the head? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did the pose. I did the, the pose. striking pose. Yeah. How are we all today? Um. Yeah, weather's crap. You could give us a weather report then. Well, I mean, I'm, I was, you know, before we started recording this, I was like, you know what, I'm going to change my tune. I'm, I'm, I'm thick. I'm sick. I mean, I'm not thick. I'm sick and tired of being. <laughs> associated with my introduction and weather but for some reason when I, when you said that the first thing i was just looking out the window at this dystopian <laughs> gray overcast evening and i mean the main reason i actually mentioned it was uh in reference to the film of course with the weather reports that's where she goes to see that guy in prison isn't it yes yes she does go yeah that's exactly yeah, right yeah the i thought report, you meant the end right. event as well when it's always raining but yes yeah, no that's her like little code thing yeah i wonder how much a hundred dollars was in like 1961 to Google. Because that's how much she gets paid every week to go and visit that guy. <laughs> well, like a minute into the podcast, I'm already pausing to Google the, yeah, <laughs> the inflation rate. It's probably like a thousand pounds, right? Uh, $100 in 1961 is equivalent in purchasing power to about $857. So $857 a week. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'll tell you that. I could buy a set of uh, Tiffany diamonds for that. I mean, you already give a weather report, Ben, every week and you don't get paid anything. I know, I know. I don't, I don't know enough mobsters in the Norfolk area, unfortunately. <laughs> Any mobsters out there? Uh, hit me up. Not hit, not actually hit me up. Don't, hit don't, me don't, up. Don't, don't, no, 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 <laughs> Too late. Just say gunshots in the back of Ben's audio. <laughs> <laughs> the famous, the famous gunshots in the quiet idyllic area of Norfolk. So continuing the theme of the things we ask every week. Anyone watched any movies this week? Um, 
Yes, definitely. Yes. Okay, next segment. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've been working my way through the films that I always said that I liked when I was younger, but I just haven't seen in forever because I redid my top 250 films and kept thinking, like, do I, do I still like The Green Mile? Do I still like Fargo? Things like this. So I've been working my way through those. I've been working my way through um, the Studio Ghibli films, Ben. Inspired <gasps> by your list. Really? What have you watched? Ooh, I watched Howl's Moving Castle, oh, Castle in the Sky, amazing. Princess uh, Mononoke. Is that amazing? Nice oh, I think amazing. Castle in the Sky was actually my favourite one. It is. It's, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's a good one, yeah. I think it was at the first one as well. The first no, technical studio good films. Well, technically, yeah, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is number one in the collection, but it's, it wasn't actually a Ghibli film. I enjoyed um, that the English dub had James Van Der Beek. Um, it, yes, it does. Yeah, <laughs> and it's based on it because he had he, he was obsessed with Wales. He was very interested in like a Welsh towns, you know, like the design. Oh, is that why it's like a mining, like the mining town? His son's film Tales from Earthsea. I think he's based on a novel by like a Welsh author. Yeah, slowly making my way through them. Bit of a coincidence. The only film I've watched this week is also anime influenced. Go. You're gonna throw a curveball here, and it's not gonna be. It's, it's gonna be like, <laughs> is it something Pokemon related? It's not Pokemon related. It's it's much worse than that. It is the live action adaptation of Avatar: The Last Airbender. You're gonna say that, isn't it? Like ten years old or something now. I saw an Avatar. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It is just a terrible film. But it's not even like how Artemis Fowl was hard to watch. <laughs> no, no, he's back on that. <laughs> it's because they're very similar in terms of like a poor adaptation of children's media. Still warming up that gravy train. Yeah, uh, it's not good. And they say all the characters' names wrong, which really is annoying. It takes me out of every scene when they pronounce Ong and Suka. And stuff yeah, like I that. think apparently it was trying to do it more sort of like ethnically <laughs> appropriate to what it would sound like, but it just doesn't all, work. All the actors are white. Yeah, <laughs> it's that thing, isn't it? Six of one, <laughs> none of the others. Should we move on to a decent film? Yeah, so we did struggle to agree on what to do for today's episode or to record. We went back and forth a bit with many ideas until eventually Ben said, what about breakfast at Tiffany's? I also wondered when there'd be a deep blue, is it deep blue something? Deep blue yeah, something. I, always, I thought that would come before the uh, Mickey Rooney reference, but you know, they were both on my bingo card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so today's episode is Moon River from the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's, and to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out, over to you, Ben. Yep, cool. So we are going back all the way to October 1961, so we're going back 59 years. I think this might be the earliest we've gone back. So, first of all, so the Beach Boys released their very first ever single, which was Surfing, not Surfing USA, as I was confused by. <laughs> you know, surfing is a pastime I often associate with the cool autumnal days of October. But I guess if you're living on the... <laughs> it is in California, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, I guess, when you're living... I don't know, the Beach Boys, West Coast? Yeah, I I think are, they a, are they a Dre or a Notorious B.I.G. sort of? <laughs> Where do they sit on that side of the argument? Well, no, was it was it Tupac was West Coast, wasn't he? What did I say? You said Dre and Biggie. Oh, Dre, sorry, yeah, Tupac was yeah, he's uh, California Love. Yeah, he did produce that. Album, oh, but Dre presumably was as well then. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Dre. <laughs> in this yeah, yeah. How many members of the Beach Boys were killed in drive-by shootings? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think they're all almost all dead yeah. now. But one of them, one of them was very involved, sort of involved with Charles Manson, wasn't he? Oh, really? And actually, yeah, and they they sort of lived in his house at one point. I can't remember which one it is. Oh gosh! In other non Manson related news, um, or maybe I don't know, the Broadway hit West Side Story <laughs> had its cinematic adaptation released, taking its accurate depiction of gang warfare to the big screen. So it's kind of related to what the discussion was. <laughs> 
I don't think we can go past West Side Story about Ben trying to do an impression of the singing. I can't, honestly. I don't even know what to do an impression of. <laughs> Good. I want to be in America. No, no, no. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the Dick Van Dyke Show premiered in the States, created by the recently deceased actor and comedian Carl Reiner. I thought you were about to reveal some news I didn't know there. <laughs> I was going to say, Dick Van Dyke? I have never, ever seen the show myself, but as far as my granddad said, it was a hoot. <laughs> I mean, the only show I can depth safely say I have seen with Dick Van Dyke is uh, Diagnosis Murder. Yes. Which and I've is, seen a lot um, okay. I've never seen a Dick Van Dyke show, but I can tell Diagnosis Murder is a much better show. In more British-related news, everyone's favourite Sunday morning watch, Songs of Praise, first aired in the UK. Yep, exactly. That's the kind of reaction. Uh, and Private Eye. People familiar with Private Eye, sometimes highly controversial current affairs magazine, yeah, was yeah. first founded and published. And so, alongside, I guess, all these mammoth events, <laughs> <laughs> some quite big, big, big moments. There is one more worth mentioning, and that's the film we are discussing today, which is Breakfast at Tiffany's. For those of you who are unaware, Breakfast at Tiffany's is a romantic comedy of sorts, directed by Blake Edwards and written by George Axelrod. What a name is that, <laughs> George Axelrod. It's loosely That's based cool. on the Truman Capote novella of the oh, same I mean, his name. surname. Well, George Axelrod is loosely based on it. Yes. No. <laughs> Breakfast at <laughs> Tiffany's is loosely based on the Truman Capote novella of the same name. I've not read it, but I know Truman Capote. He's uh, quite famous as well for like writing a very uh, one of the very first true crime books. There's also a film, isn't there, about him with Philip Seymour Hoffman? In yeah, it. I've never watched it. Is he was he quite a controversial figure then, or something? I mean, I guess a film was made about him. I don't know. Um, I, I think I think the whole sort of true crime thing was very strange because he sort of like just like invested his whole life into investigating this crime. But he was good friends as well with Harper Lee, you know, who wrote um, To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, really? Yeah, and and I think they they sort of like worked together in sort of unraveling this mystery of this uh, real life like double murder. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's really strange, but I think I think the film is about that, but I'm not positive. So yes, Breakfast at Tiffany's. The film's cast is spearheaded by the iconic Audrey Hepburn, who plays the character Holly Golightly, which is also a fantastic name. She's an eccentric and somewhat naive socialite uh, of the cafe society generation who hopes to get by in life on the good graces of various wealthy and powerful suitors she amasses in her times. For you two, have you seen the film? And if so, what do you think? So this is another movie to add to the I watched it at school. Rocket. Really? Did you watch this at school? I was going to say the exact same thing. Dude. <laughs> so uh, yeah, this time it was English lessons. We had to compare depictions of New York City in different mediums and genres okay. and yep. uh, like across different decades. Yep. So this one was me comparing Breakfast at Tiffany's to Friends, Cloverfield and some article from the New Yorker. What, what, what weird mix of things. Someone was very lazy and just started picking out what was on their DVD shelf. It's weird that you say that, though, Dee. I watched it first at school as well, but it was in media studies. But two of the things were this and Friends as well. But then the other thing was, like, I think it's, like, 48 hours or something. I think it's a Spike. Is it Spike Lee? Has Edward Norton in it? Oh, yeah, 23 hours. You mean the one where... Is that he's what it's called? Yeah, where he's in, like, prison. He's, like, yeah, out of prison, prison for he comes out, yeah, and he's, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, 23 hours. Yeah. I basically just compared Rachel from Friends to Holly Golightly. That is, a, that is weird. I mean, so I guess without the unfortunate veil of having to critique these to the umpteenth degree. Do you have an opinion of the film? Can you judge them aside from having to do it as work? I do like Breakfast at Tiffany's, even if uh, I did spend half of it laughing at how bad a Mickey Rooney is oh, in the God. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so bad. I, I can't tell if it was supposed to be, if it was supposed to be as uh, comedic as it comes across. I, 
almost for Mickey Rooney that he thinks that he was doing it well. I mean, I'd, I'd argue that it's not even comedic. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. There's, there's things where you can say, okay, right, this is, you know, it's supposed to be like a funny scene, but it's just, you know, it's aged poorly. Like, at the time, I couldn't even imagine. It just feels like it doesn't fit the sort of general mood of the film. It just seems like it almost breaks off into this little side character who's just a really angry Japanese man. It's just, it's just, but it's just, it's like, but like he's banging into things like he's in some sort of like Charlie Chaplin sketch. <laughs> oh yeah, obviously the uh, Mickey Rooney thing is one thing that you remember, but also the, the main guy in it is Hannibal from A2. <laughs> is it really? I didn't even know is that. It? it is. <laughs> My God. <laughs> Liam Neeson's in Tiffany's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what was his name? George, George Peppard, that's it. Yeah, yeah George, George Peppard, Peppard, yeah. That is a, yeah, it's a cool factoid that I did not have. But yeah, it's um, I I enjoy. It. I think I enjoy it. Yeah, I, it's been it has been a long time since I've seen it, but I think it's very cool and very chic, isn't it? At points, and obviously yes, a lot of people very. have like the picture of Audrey Hepburn outside Tiffany's with the breakfast like on the walls and stuff. I know my mum used to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> she used to have loads she? of yes, random like classic Hollywood shots like on a wall. So I think I probably saw that before I'd seen the film, actually, to be fair. I think that's one of the things I find interesting about the film, because I do think the film is carried by Hepburn. I think she just exudes that sort of charm, suave, chic that you kind of want in the film. And it's basically, it has become iconic, not just not in the sense that it's like a good film, that it's kind of held at this sort of precipice of like, that's an amazing film. It's just like the look of it, the style of it, the feel of it. It's those things what's made it iconic which is quite unique for a film, I think. And it's quite that's quite different. Like, I know it's it's down in the sort of National Film Registry, you know, for being, like, culturally and aesthetically significant. And I feel like it's quite weird because it's not... I don't think it is an amazing film, but it is so iconic just for how it looks and its style of capturing almost that, like I say, that Cathy Society generation. Yeah, I think it's probably definitely possible as well that a lot of people haven't even seen the film, but they just know what the look of the film is just from oh, yeah. like the picture of Audrey Hepburn and stuff. The way Audrey Hepburn looks in this film has lasted much longer than the actual film itself. Oh, yes. yep. Yeah, because I was rereading the plot earlier, just to sort of refresh my mind. And it is a bit it is a bit random, isn't it? And it's a bit out there. Like, isn't he like he's like got like an older lady that's sort of paying him money possibly to have sex and yes. then she's obviously got the whole ties with, with the mob, with the mob boss that's imprisoned, and then they both get arrested at one point because of that. But then like she's got like a husband that she married when she was 14 or something it's, yep. it's all sorts of random stuff going on it seems to go everywhere and yeah by the time it comes to the end you almost feel like it's not really earned this sort of finish but because of audrey hepburn you kind of just go with it and i mm. and it's interesting that shot that famous shot where she's kind of like looking down the camera and she's got that sort of like kind of like cheeky knowing smile there's the sort of the pearl necklace the like diamond tiara she's in that she's got a little back dress that has to be one of the most famous, iconic movie scenes of all time. So much so that I don't think a lot of people know where it's from. And I honestly was trying to think of how many other examples of like famous film stills or shots are so famous, and yet you don't know what film it's from. Yeah, possibly like the Marilyn Monroe. Walking That's over literally the, the only other one I could yeah. think of. Love her of the sort of um, the vent blowing up her skirt. What, what is? Is it? It's not the. I was thinking it's a six-year itch. Seven-year itch. Seven year itch, six year itch, six year itch was the prequel. <laughs> There's the prequel. The seven year itch. Is that what film it is? It is, is it yeah. From that? yeah. Yeah, that's the only other one I could think of. Maybe the shot on the runway from Casablanca. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Casablanca's held up still in high regard as being an absolutely amazing yeah. film, whereas Breakfast at Tiffany's Seven Year Itch has still got a bit of a reputation, but nowhere near sort of the pantheon of the great films of all time. And yet those stills, they just transcend film. The sort of the impact of this film in society, and like kind of got some facts like. 
it just launched the not the careers but just like um like Givenchy made the little black dress it wasn't made famous by Givenchy but it sold loads at auction they had like anniversary like 10 years 20 years 50 years and you know brought out the dress again things like this Audrey Hepburn was a huge influence on fashion anyway at the time and she managed to pull in all these sort of famous designers and Tiffany's themselves was already you know it was already a pretty eminent retailer at the time in New York but its reputation was obviously massively boosted by this film yeah just loads of little yeah. things long cigar- uh, cigarette holders they yeah, became cigarettes. huge after the film it's interesting you say that about the cigarette holder because you think of Corella de Bill. <laughs> yeah any guesses what year that came out same year probably it's like early 60s isn't it 1961 oh really yeah. <laughs> so weird yeah that's very wonder what actually came first so yeah maybe maybe she's actually stealing some of the lime limelight from Corella de Bill. <laughs> Well, I imagine even though it was released in uh, October, it was probably filmed earlier in the year. <laughs> so yeah. maybe they did that without knowing. Probably. 101 Dalmatians came out in January that, that year. There you go. Ooh, oh, so there Hang you go. Maybe. maybe. You're a fraud, Audrey. You're a fraud. <laughs> fraudry. You're fraudry. fraudry. Well, unfortunately, she has passed. <laughs> she was a fraud. She was one of those actresses, I think, that just even now stands as like a, a fashion icon, a cinematic icon. A style icon, pop culture icon. That even the name, I think a lot of people might not have ever seen a film, but know that name. Yeah. You could ask people probably in their teens might be able to recognise Audrey Hepburn as a name and just have no idea what it is from. And yeah. that's pretty impressive. I think from the eighties onwards, she more or less did nothing and then she basically devoted her life to UNICEF. She was a UNICEF ambassador, she worked in like Africa with like charities. And yeah, unfortunately she died. I think she was sixty two, sixty three when she died. Yeah. You can probably think of a few actors that might have tainted their reputation with some of their later films. <laughs> Al Pacino, cough, cough. But yes, just before we go on to talk about the song, does anyone actually want to talk about the taint on this film that is Mickey Rooney? Because, gosh, this is just <laughs> awful. I was just re-watching it and you just like, I couldn't even laugh at it. It's just like, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? I don't think it was like, this is supposed to be the funny bit. Because I think Mickey Rooney's actually trying, he thinks he's doing a straight portrayal. Oh, yeah. But it comes across as like almost like nervous laughter funny. Yep. You feel uncomfortable watching it. For anyone who's unaware, um, Mickey Rooney played, Mickey Rooney, who is a white American, played the character of Mr. Yuniyoshi. And he wore makeup, a prosthetic mouthpiece, to sort of play into like a caricatured stereotype of middle-aged Japanese men at the time. And he's basically supposed to be the comic relief of the film, I guess, who is the landlord. And yes, it is terrible. Mickey Rooney said (laughs) in an interview in 2008, he was heartbroken to think people thought it was racist. (laughs) Was he taking Mickey Rooney's crazy pills? He said in an interview, (laughs) ready for this one, Asians and Chinese come up to me and say, Mickey, you were out of this world. And said he never had one complaint before. God bless the Chinese, the Japanese, the Indians, all of them. God bless America. <laughs> God. Unfortunately, Mickey, it is racist. It is racist. Yeah, the official that song from that movie stands on Mickey Rooney's portrayal is that it was racist. <laughs> yeah, I know. When it's got its own section on the Wikipedia, then you know it's <laughs> it's a it's a big deal. You're cancelled. You're cancelled, Mickey. Anyway, moving on to better things. The song in question, the signature song from the film is Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. Um, (laughs) In actual fact, the signature song is Moon River, as performed by Audrey Hepburn. Music itself by Harry Mancini. People know the name Harry Mancini? I do. I definitely do. Pink Panther. Pink Panther theme, yep. (laughs) Oh, wow. Really? Yep. Music by Henry Mancini and lyrics by Johnny Mercer. 
who is also a name that I recognise, but I tried to look on his Wikipedia, he's written like a thousand songs, none of which I recognise, but for some reason the name seemed to ring a bell. He was the lead singer of Deep Blue Something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, what do people think of the song? I was actually surprised to find that it was an original song. I was exactly the same, yeah. I think I assumed it was like from a Broadway show, but then maybe I'm thinking of Old Man River, because I think that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a different sort of feeling. <laughs> Sat on the balcony just going, Old Man River. Interestingly, my wife, she started going, oh, do you mean like Old Man River? <laughs> <laughs> so clearly there's, there's some confusion there. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't realise it was an original song, but obviously it is. And I think it's a very beautiful song. I think it's very nice. It just adds a melancholy mood to the film, doesn't it? And yes. I suppose that the film does have that sort of dual edge where she's sort of like, yeah, Mrs. Socialite and stuff. But it is like a small town girl who's sort of trying to make it in the big city. The scene where it's, she sort of sings it, so it's just a nice little come down, isn't it, from the other crazy things that happen in the film. Yeah. Continuing those thoughts, because I completely agree. It's The way she sings it, it's just so soft and disarming. It sort of whisks you away to a, another place. Yeah. Almost like a tropical beach somewhere. I know it's more Huckleberry Thin, side of a river type thing. <laughs> but it's just so warm. And also it makes me very hungry for chocolate. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Is that because of the uh, Galaxy advert? Exactly. I mean, yes, uh, in the film, the song appears as Paul, the love interest of the film, is attempting to bash out his next novel and is interrupted by the gentle plucking of the guitar out on the fire escape as Holly Golightly is lost in the words of the song as she's singing away. And yeah, I completely agree with both of you guys. I think it's, it's a fantastic song. It's like a wonderlust, isn't it? It's a really important song to the narrative. But yeah, I think it just really, really works. It's a very short song, only 10 lines. So what you hear in the film is, that's it, basically. Mancini never wrote the music down, apparently, when he wrote it. It only took him 90 minutes. I hate talented people. (laughs) Just so effortless. Yeah, we we have to record three hours worth of this podcast to get 37 minute mark. (laughs) (laughs) Just to get this. Yeah, we have to cut out all of Dietrich's tears. It's true. So yeah, apparently Mercer, so Johnny Mercer, who wrote the lyrics, sang the song or wrote the song rather about a river down in Georgia where he was from. So I think they kind of almost wrote that into the narrative of the film because um, Holly Golightly talks about some place back home, I guess, where she's got this husband. I think a lot of people apparently think it's about the Hudson River. But no, it's about some place in Georgia, which apparently has now had a part of its river named Moon River. So that's a sign of success, (laughs) isn't it? Well, I think as well, like, I think the way the song comes across, like a Midwest America type place anyway, or like, a, you know, yeah, Southern, yeah. Southern America, it doesn't sound like a, a song about the Hudson River. <laughs> Go to New York. <laughs> it's, it has like a, like a longing for like a sort of more rural, calmer yes. kind of environment, doesn't it? Which is it obviously the complete opposite of New York. So it's weird that people would associate it that way. Yeah, I don't know. I think people just guess because it's, you know, it's set in New York. Because it's a very New York based. <laughs> Not very smart yeah. people. But yeah, I'm the same as you, Alex. I did not know this was an Audrey Hepburn original. Did you, Dee? No. Nope. Apparently, like, Andy Williams used it on his TV show, and it's quite often associated with being an Andy Williams song. <laughs> of course. Second encore, bang. That's <laughs> reference there. Yeah. I assumed she was miming until I read it was actually her today. Yeah, no, apparently they wanted her to mime. <laughs> In the classic, you know, yeah. Well, because she's not a very, I think she's not a singer, I guess. Mercer and Mancini both wanted it to kind of be in a range, so they kind of toyed with the idea a while, you know, kind of, like I say, it's very soft, and it's almost kind of like spoken, isn't it, like wistful on the wind. 
And I think that's why, I don't know, it just, I think that's why it works. But yeah, it's been covered by many people, obviously. I think Frank Sinatra is often cited as being someone who the song's associated with because of the song. Audrey Hepburn, Mancini and Johnny Mercer won the 1962 Grammy for Record of the Year and Song of the Year. And the song also won the Academy Award for Best Original Song, as well as Mancini winning for Best Original Score. And because of this, which you're obviously I know you'll be happy with, Dietrich, Audrey Hepburn has an EGOT. Will Smith is crying into his conflicts, <laughs> conflicts entanglement. Conflicts entanglement, yep. So, yep, she has an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and a Tony. What else do you do? No wonder she retired. Yeah. She's for Will Smith's. Just think about that. <laughs> I mean, that's what I always think about when I think about Audrey Hepburn. But she's only one job legend. She's only, yeah, she's equivalent to it in this sort of weird top trumps game that we have going. And yeah, just as when I talk about the iconic sort of influence this film had, it apparently it relaunched Mancini's career, which was kind of waylaid by the sort of introduction of rock and roll music. And yeah, so he kind of went on to have a long and very successful career after this. So It is a big return. It is a big return, isn't it? Apparently Truman Capote did not like and was very passionate that he did not like Audrey Hepburn in the role. He did not envision her when he wrote the character. Have a guess who he thought should have played the character. Well, Will Smith probably wasn't acting yeah. yet. Could not so. imagine Will Smith as Holly Golightly. <laughs> <laughs> Is it someone like who was like a more sort of golden era of Hollywood type person? Yeah. Don't think too hard about this. Okay. Aaron Monroe. Aaron Monroe. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it's one of those things. Marilyn Monroe does sing, I guess, in a few films. Like she sings in Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. For some reason, I just can't imagine her singing that song. I can see her in the film, definitely, because she basically plays the socialite in a lot of films. That was her type, which apparently Audrey Hepburn really struggled with the other side of the character because she said naturally she's an introvert and she had to play an extrovert, which she didn't often do in the film. She's often the timid, I think because of her frame as well and just her features, that pixie look. She often played the sort of timid, shy character. So it's quite interesting that that is her biggest film. Mm. But yeah, could you imagine Marilyn Monroe in this? Uh, it's difficult to say, but I think it would have been a different, very different vibe because I like you say, like she's like more of a socialite, like larger than life kind of character. Yeah. When you think of sort of sixties, I know it's early sixties this, but and it probably f- comes from this film, sleek, chic kind of look. I think Audrey Hepburn's more that than Marilyn Monroe. She's more of like a a glamour look, isn't it? It's more. Yeah, of a, she was a pinup, slightly more innocence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd agree with that, Dee. I mean, the film was successful at the time, but I just assume, I mean, Marilyn Monroe, I imagine everything she touched was successful. Yeah, and I suppose actually as well, because isn't Audrey Hepburn is actually British, I think? Could be yeah, I don't know where she, I mean, she was born in she Belgium. She was born in Belgium. Yeah. Oh, was yeah. she? I suppose Marilyn Monroe kind of represents more that character of coming from nothing to, to the big sea and becoming something. I suppose she, her actual life is more similar to the character in that way. Yeah. I feel like it definitely could have worked, couldn't it? Yes, but it I would think have it just could. been different. <laughs> and yeah. it's difficult to know if it would have been better without seeing it, I suppose. I think the images would have been just as famous because Marilyn Monroe is already, you know, she's got just as many famous, iconic stills. Let Audrey have a go. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, I mean, the most important thing and the thing that's on everyone's mind, and I'm going to put this to you guys here. So we've established, I'd say Breakfast at Tiffany's is a pretty decent film, yes? Yeah. If I recall, I think we liked it. Yeah. So. <laughs> But the true question is... Thanks, thanks Alex. Ben <laughs> completely ignored that. <laughs> what was he say? He said, I recall I liked it. Oh, right. You're still throwing in those references. Of course God. Oh, I've got to work through this with you guys. So we've established this decent film, jokes aside. But is it the best breakfast scene in film? 
That's the true question. That's what everyone That's wants to know. Breakfast scene. Because she's eat when she's eating sort of morning Danish at Tiffany's. Is that the bre- best breakfast scene in film? <laughs> best breakfast. Is that the best Brexit scene in film? <laughs> I ask you. Or is it the Benedict Cumberbatch film or whatever it is? Does the scene count if the character doesn't get their food, but it's about breakfast? Well, I wonder if you're... I, da- I very much doubt you're mentioning the same film as me, but I have done a top five of this because I've put a lot of effort in this. I was up all night. <laughs> Had the red string out on the uh, the wall. <laughs> do you want me to say my film now or do you want me to wait for you to do your top five? No, 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 no. Go for yours. Okay. The one I'm thinking of is from Falling Down. Oh my God, it's number two in my list. <laughs> Such an amazing scene. Too late I mean, for breakfast film. at Whammy Burger. Have you seen this film, Alex? No, I don't. Oh my god, you have to <laughs> it see it. It is an amazing film. Yes. Yeah. So it's basically like a. I'm trying to think of what's a similar thing. It's basically Michael Douglas is sort of like a you know a sort of corner office worker, buzz cut hair, and he just kind of snaps, and he just basically yeah. goes on a rampage. And it just keeps escalating and escalating yeah. every time he interacts with somebody. And one of the times he's he's trying to get breakfast, <laughs> but they won't do it because it's after eleven. After o'clock. half eleven, yeah. So I'm pretty. Did they pull a gun out on them? I forget. <laughs> but that was number two in my list. I mean, I'm struggling to think. I mean, I think in Pulp Fiction, are they having breakfast? That was my number one. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> Big Kahuna Burger at Brad's house. Completely ruining this list for you, Ben. It's number three, Shrek or something. <laughs> I was going to say Shrek with the eggs. Shrek's not in this. No, I didn't put Shrek in this. They, they fry the eggs or the stones? <laughs> making waffles. <laughs> yeah, in the morning I'm making waffles. You've not you've not ruined it. We're just saying that we're I'm actually I'm right. Yeah, I feel yeah, that's why right, I've yeah. been vindicated because you've got my number two and one. The red yeah, tape. My, my wife laughed at me. She's she packed her bags <laughs> and she left. But who's laughing now? Eh? Yeah. Probably still I like I like idea though. Back. Just to go before we go into the rest of Ben's list, we both thought Shrek, but different moments in Shrek. Like you thought the waffles, which makes more sense. But in my head, the only image I had was when they were frying eggs on st- on the stone. There's only like a big moment, but I was like, yeah, there's that moment in Shrek where they're making eggs. <laughs> so many times I've seen Shrek. I guess but the other question is, does it fit in with the lyric, the sort of tune of Deep Blue Something? So can you say, and I said, what about Big Kahuna Burger at Brad's house? Does that, that does seem to fit, yeah. And I yeah. said, what about Big Kahuna Burger at Brad's house? <laughs> you could just say Big Kahuna at Brad's house. Yeah, I could do, yeah. So yes, <laughs> number one was Pulp Fiction. Number two, I put From Falling Down. Number three, I mean, I'm going backwards here. Because you've got the top two. I yeah, did the spaghetti. Go the way. Go the way. <laughs> oh, fine. Top five. Fact number five is the breakfast pancakes from Matilda. Uh, okay. Because you yeah. know they're sending yeah. me on my way with rusted. Oh Drew. wait, I've got one. one. Uncle Buck. That was number. That was number six. Uh, number four, I put the all-you-can-eat breakfast. At, I can't pronounce the place. Punsatoni from Groundhog Day, when he just basically orders everything on the menu because yeah. he thinks he's not going to yeah. die. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then number three, I put mainly because I've got this in a cookbook. Is the spaghetti breakfast from Elf. <laughs> so what about what that is like spaghetti five? and maple syrup and it's like basically maple syrup uh, loads of candy cereal and he just puts it on spaghetti i've actually got a cookbook that has that recipe in it is it like a cinema cookbook or is it uh, it's, a, yeah, it's, a, it's, a cin- it's a cinema cookbook yeah, it's, yeah. and it, it has the chocolate cake from matilda as well so yes how's that for a top five i think it's pretty good to be there so this is as we've said before one of the if not the earliest film we've ever done but do you still think Breakfast at Tiffany's, the movie, and Moon River, the song, do you think it still has cultural significance? Yes. The film, I think, as we've said, like the actual stills from the film, probably more so than the film itself. I feel like the film possibly not. I think, I think it is literally just like the shots of Audrey Hepburn. The song, I think, definitely does. If I, if I was thinking of the two, if I think of the film, I just think of the image of uh, outside Tiffany's with the breakfast. If I think of the so- song, I instantly remember what the song is. 
and like can recite the lyrics. So I think that still shows to me that it has cultural significance. If you can do that on like a dime. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's a very, it's a style over substance film to the point where you can almost really dissect it and break it down and just take the bits that you want. You know, when I think about it, I do like it, but I think that's just because I can just watch scenes and just you just capture that feeling of it. Um, I think Moon River has been used in enough. I kind of just associate it almost with that sort of those big band singers like Andy Williams and Frank Sinatra, just as much as the, the sort of the softer version with Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, yeah. I think the song will stick in our minds forever because Galaxy slash Dove, if you're in America, <laughs> will just yeah. keep playing the advert over and over again when it plays the first verse. Yes, yeah. Uncanny Valley of Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. God, they must have paid a lot for that. Weird though, isn't it? Because the actual scene, I know it's not scene from a film, but it looks more like Roman Holiday. It does look like Roman Holiday, yeah. But then the song from Breakfast at Tiffany is a really weird advert. But it's not actually a scene from a film or anything, is it? It's just... No. And it's not even Audrey Hepburn. <laughs> Which brings us on to the <laughs> ultimate question of movie or song. We need to decide, is it you get rid of the other one or is it just which is better? You get rid of it, it's room 101. I need that sort of ultimate commitment to be able to pick. Okay, okay. I need some stakes. Um, I need the stakes to be higher. So I will go first because, you know, yeah. I <laughs> think I'm going to go with song. Okay. Because I will listen to the song. I probably wouldn't put the film on now. The film's cancelled. Sorry, guys. <laughs> cancelled. <laughs> I'm, I'm in agreement with you, D. I think I would go song in this case. Oh, that's a lot of jeopardy on Ben then. <laughs> well, I think yeah. I feel like the film is obviously good and it is quite iconic, but it's not great. And I think there are other Audrey Hepburn films, such as Roman Holiday, such as like Sabrina and stuff like that, that are good. And she's like still the same kind of, you know, she's still stylish, she's still cool. So you can kind of get that from the other films. You don't need this film just for that. And I don't know what more it offers. <laughs> so for that, I'm going to say so. Okay, so it's all down to you, Ben. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a similar thing. Audrey Hepburn's linked to both, and I mean, I think she's fantastic. She's like, I think she's one of the best actresses that has ever been. Um, and so, either or, I can just, I just break a piece off off her and throw a bit in the bin and keep the rest. And I would keep the song over the film because it's just, I just think it's perfect. I just think it's just that little scene in the film. If I could just keep that little video of her as well, like the clip on you YouTube, can't. that like two minutes. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, then I'll throw just myself. The I'll throw just myself in room one hundred and one. You can take my life, Audrey. Take it. Um, no, oh, you letting the world keep it while you're, you're, you're locked I mean, in the room. I mean, the people would be happier with Audrey than me. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, this podcast uh, would definitely be better. The Audrey Hepburn, I mean, you get you probably get more listeners. Yeah, so as, as far as I'm concerned, that is 3-0. It's a whitewash. It's, it's a, a Mickey whitewash. Rooney impression of a Japanese person. Well, yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that, yeah. That's the best joke I will ever say on this podcast. Yep. And neither of you laughed. I could see you were smiling. <laughs> I could see you were smiling and I can't see your face. Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you for joining us. If you want to give us a follow, you can do it on Twitter. The Twitter handle is what, Alex? Uh, T-S-T-F-M-Bod. <laughs> Something like that. Okay, Ben, do you want to give it a go? Because Alex missed it up. T-S-F-T-M-Pod. Nailed it. There you go. Never trust me with that. I was trying to spell it in my head, and I still got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, you said that song that from that movie, Pod. It's a great name for a pod. <laughs> there'll be another twitter account that has Jane, those with Jane. just so many more followers yeah, yeah probably so if you enjoyed today's episode why don't you think about posting this in the audrey hepburn subreddit <laughs> yeah that exists i imagine it probably does exist yeah probably, probably. Does. she's stylish enough i wonder if there's a mickey rooney subreddit okay so we'll do some goodbyes so it's goodbye from me goodbye and goodbye from alex it's plain to see this episode's over and i hate when episodes are over yep that's a quote from the film <laughs> and goodbye from ben <laughs> Always get married in the morning. 
That way, if it doesn't work out, you haven't wasted the whole day. Guess who Zach's a quote from? Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney? <laughs> is that actually? It is, yeah. I just googled Mickey Rooney quotes. Thank you, Mickey. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. And now he's dead. Because we'll never get to talk about the Deep Blue Something song. Fun fact, that song was written about Roman Holiday, but they changed it to Breakfast at Tiffany's because they thought it was a better title. Say, what about Roman Holiday? It, you'd have to, you have to hold the note for longer. It's weird, it doesn't really work. Kona Burger at Brad's house worked there. <laughs> <laughs> Could have worked. <laughs>